0: This week on Missions Today. You know, a lot of times the, the faith community, I think around the world, we are in crisis. The crisis of disintegration. Our faith only belongs to a certain part of our life. That That is not good. That's why we couldn't experience this flourishing and integration. So we teach that through faith and work movements. So we create content, run conferences, equip the seminaries, and work with faith community to talk about that. Creating conversations about faith and
1: helping integrate faith into every area of our lives. Hi, I'm Colin Lambert, and this is Missions Today from Resource Global. who Ligden is back with us this week for part two of our conversation about his life and mission. Last week, we learned that Baller who was one of the very first Christians ever in his home country of Mongolia. As a teen, he and his friends helped begin the Christian church in his home country. Ultimately, Baller Who felt a call into the business world, and now he runs an organization that helps businesses, entrepreneurs, and even the President's Office of Mongolia. Stay with us today to learn more about what he's doing now and the impact of his organization, ALDN, the Asia Leadership Development Network we'll pick up our conversation as baller who shares more about his inquisitive nature as a kid and his ultimate transition into the business world baller who ligden on today's missions today
0: one thing uh, as a very curious kid i ask all this the really kind of odd questions i guess for the missionaries back then you know most of kids will get together you know the missionaries will spend time with us or korean missionaries americans you know, my friends will ask them about all this church stuff. I will ask those, too. But then additionally, uh, I will ask them, what does God care about economy? You know, most missionaries are like, what? You know, why don't you just spend time with church? And this is ministry. I said, well, didn't Bible say God created everything? If Everything. That literally means everything. That means the earth. You know, that means the economy, the environment, you know, all this. So Um, Back then, I guess, you know, because of that kind of encounter, I, you know, I realized um, there's so many things I didn't know, uh, and and theologically, knowledge-wise, and just experience of understanding God's kingdom. Um, I'm definitely a more kingdom-minded person rather than church-minded person, Uh, so uh, that early days of my questions led me to basically want to study business. Uh, I did. Uh, info- I studied information system management in my undergrad uh, in Inner Mongolia, but I really realized I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, even Church Planting Journey showed me that I'm an entrepreneur doing ministry, solving problems. A lot of it is entrepreneurs. How do I practice that, particularly in a, in a business sense? And I re- also noticed that there's a lot of social transformation, deeper gospel application in a societal sense, uh, that wasn't able to get done through church. So I guess I, I, when I was 23, I got hold of my first book about business and mission, and that just completely my eye lit up, and I was like, "This is this is what this is describing what I care about." So um, a, a couple years later, I got open door to come to America to study business, and I wanted to study business, and came to school in Tennessee, and that's how uh, my journey in America started and spent some time there for school involved in a few things, international student ministry and so on. But post-graduating, I pursued basically a business career and joined a medical technology company, worked for them in Southeast part of US and then later on transited, uh, um, led their business development effort uh, in Asia and moved to uh, Shanghai, China and helped them launch business, office, and basically kind of selling medical solution and services to uh the major cancer hospitals in Asia predominantly in China uh and spend some time in marketplace ministry so it's a kind of interesting uh journey because you know this se- that season of my life God really helped me to understand my faith integrating into business what does that look like and how do I relate to how do I live gospel in the city how do I live a gospel in a marketplace? How do I relate to employees, colleagues, and you know, vendors and partners in business? And where does what does God is doing in a marketplace in a in a vibrant economy like China and Southeast Asia? So um, it was. It's been a. It has been a very good journey and adventure. What led you
1: to begin Asia Leadership Development Network and? then we'll talk more specifics about what you're trying to do to uh, communicate and share this message that you've just talked about.
0: Despite I was in Shanghai and different things, I still support my friends. And uh, uh, a lot of my friends became pastors and ministry leaders back home and go back to Inner Mongolia. My wife is from Mongolia. So we travel back to the region, just, you know, financially and holidays and certain ways we engage people. If we find out, uh, Mongolian leaders need some trainings. We we'll take them out to, you know, Tim Keller's training in Hong Kong or uh, Asian Access. We we'll collaborate with people. Uh, um, but then, really, the uh, um, the, the tipping point, I guess, the changing that uh, time happened is to- towards the end of my uh, career time in Shanghai. Uh, I realized corporate work was good, but I was a little burned out. I was a little burned out. I also realized um, the way that corporate work set up was like, this is a letter. Uh, This is their mission and vision. Take care of that well for them. They will take care of you. Uh, But leave your passion, leave your certain things outside. Don't bring you do that in your hobby, doing your private life. And then uh, for me, um, another downside is my second kid was born. Uh, my wife was in Shanghai, don't have much friends, and I was traveling all the time, flying like 100 times a year, you know. There are days I just feel like this is not the life I want. This doesn't align with the value. This is now the marriage, and uh, we were suffering in some way, and I was kind of just feeling like I was not being a good dad and husband. And also, uh, in terms of my own heartfelt you know my depths of my calling i was not fulfilled i was not doing the things god made me to do rather i'm just you know for others you know for a lot of my friends and nearby they're like you're living the life you know you have a good job and uh you know company pay for your apartment your kids go to international school all kind of good stuff people you know excited about for you but then you you have to be honest with god in the end that's when i Face God and spend time with Him. I know that this is not the life He wants for me, and I don't have peace. So I don't. I don't feel good about it. So during that time, I started kind of soul searching a little bit. I did backpacking back to my uh, hometown in Mongolia. I traveled, met with pastors, met with politicians, and by this time I'm you know in my late 30s and early 40s. So I'm a little more socially experienced and business, and so God opened quite a bit of doors. So When I met with people, I I was basically doing my own due diligence, asking the question, okay, gospel came to our region. Back then, it was like, you know, 25 years. Gospel came to our region 25 years ago to 30 years ago. What has happened? What has not yet? What are some of the big hurdles that as a big C church we're facing? And what are things that is, you know, I'm always looking for the problems to solve as an entrepreneur. (laughs) uh, so that few trips really made me to wonder quite a bit of things. For instance, a few uh, big uh, uh, observation that I had was I in Mongolia, in our community, we see people who are very faithful, uh, strong in their faith, but they rarely understand marketplace. And then we have people who are successful in marketplace who doesn't understand about faith. But you don't find people who are in between really understand both. You don't see that. The faith and work integration you don't rarely see that. There's a lot of prosperity gospel thing I was ta- talking about. Oh, if you do give to your church, you're gonna be rich. Uh, but that was not healthy either. And then second, leadership. By this time, my body's a lot of them in their early 40s, like me. You know, uh, they're leading church. They're doing good job, but there's something about their own leadership crisis, uh, sustainability, burnout, loneliness. Uh, you know, all kinds of things start catching them because what you didn't have is what you didn't have. Uh, so the leadership crisis in the church community and then mission agencies, organizations are some are fading out and start transiting to the local leaders, but the local leaders aren't able to really get it to the next level, instead, you know, declining. Uh, so, and then just, you know, how about if you observe, you know, seven out of 10 people, seven Jesus are still teenagers and young people. And then if you look at the resources going towards them, are uh, very limited. And uh, just poverty, the gospel came, but the poverty rate actually grown rather than decline. So these things just doesn't make sense. And a lot of uh, Christians, you know, uh, want to be missionary, but they don't have money, nothing. And how do you become missionary? How do you do things? And, you know, very heavily dependent on outside money. If Korean church or American church stops supporting, and literally, I'm, I'm not kidding, 80 80 to 90% of ministry will stop. So this kind of thing is for a health of an ecosystem of a faith community is not healthy. Uh, uh, for short term, it might be good. But if you imagine 50, 30 years later, it's still like this is not good. So those are things that I kind of observed, I, I guess, the big problems. And then came back and I was just processing that with my mentors in Shanghai. So what, what does this, you know, how does this, who should be? Should we find people, support them and address these issues? And I remember one of my mentors uh, said this to me. He said, well, who you know, it seems like all these things you're talking about, you care about it more than anything, anybody else we ever met. Uh, have you ever thought about, you talk about faith and work and business and mission, this kind of thing you telling people there's nobody, and then you know about it. Have you ever thought all these years God took you out of your little bubble of community, you know, despite he used you, he, he kind of trained you, shown you things and circling you all this way. And is that why he prepared you? And then it's just like, yeah, that's true. And then uh, the most important part is like, you know, Instead of asking who should be the one doing, and, you know, God, is if this is what you want me to do, use me, you know. Um, So I prayed the dangerous prayer, you know, God, you know, if whatever breaks your heart, break my heart. And, you know, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And that basically kind of convinced me this season of my life. I want to see the gospel advance and see the curse. Faith community grow in Mongolia and our just help the church to get to next level in a bigger level uh, to solve some problems. So that basically led me to basically uh, start Asia Leadership Development Network.
1: Uh, take just a couple of moments here. Tell us kind of some of the highlights of what uh, Asia Leadership Development Network does on a day to day, week to week, month to month basis to help this process.
0: Sure. If you really look at our programs and our strategy is uh, in this four kind of uh, boxes, four fold of strategy, I will call it. Uh, the first uh, strategy is faith and work and entrepreneurship. Uh, so we run faith and work movements among Mongolian believers. Just equip regular people, young professionals, college students, white collars, regular people work. What, not only just your mon- Sunday matters to you. What about Monday to Saturday? You know, a lot of times the, the faith community, I think around the world, we are in crisis, the crisis of disintegration. Our faith only belongs to a certain part of our life. That That is not good. That's why we couldn't experience this flourishing and integration. So we teach that through faith and work movements. So we create content, run conferences, equip the seminars and seminaries and work with faith community to talk about that. And then entrepreneurship piece is actually also very exciting. Um, we actually to realize, okay, what's the best way to equip church? And church sometimes don't appreciate entrepreneurs. I was an entrepreneur myself, so I know that <laughs> it's a little threat to the church. But I realize these are the people that God willing to take risk and do things. If you allow them to practice their gift and talent, what a great opportunity! Uh, we try to con- uh, so. But then the faith community, a lot of them want to start something, but the pastors discourage them or don't want them or they don't know where to go to. So we started through our academy, basically helping entrepreneurs to launch their business, basically go through ideation stage, early stage, aspire launchpad program, use a lot of modern day kind of framework, lean canvas, basically, in a way, discipling uh, entrepreneurs on their business, but also on their ideas, but also in their spiritual formation about their theological framework, about what their business can do to, uh, for the kingdom. Hmm. So ended up uh, the with the whole ecosystem has grown quite a bit right now, about 500 to 600 entrepreneurs involved in our ecosystem, about 160 entrepreneurs went to our early stage and about 40 something new business started in the last four years with all face-driven kind of purposes. And then uh, there's growth stage, a dozen of entrepreneurs go through growth stage stuff. So it's a quite an exciting scene in a place that socioeconomically, you know, people don't pay attention to in Central Asia, or that part of the world. And suddenly there's a great movement of entrepreneurs who are launching their business, not only just solving, bringing bread and, uh, on their own table, but trying to, you know, create jobs, fight justice and mercy, and extend you know, uh, a workplace culture a little differently, and then uh, also advancing gospel, mm-hmm. and also have room to practice generosity. So all these things are all built into this community. We have an annual gathering of conference called Unleash Summit. Our summit every year, have about 400 entrepreneurs get together and talk about this kind of thing. So uh, it's pretty exciting uh, things are going on in this space. The second part is leadership development. So entrepreneurs need leadership, but also church leaders, NGO leaders. I realized, you know, um, Jesus has Jesus was the perfect model of leadership in terms of servant leadership and so on. But servant leadership is not a thing that our culture even appreciated and didn't understood. So I realized a lot of leaders weren't servant leader. Uh, their motivation, how they're leading was very, very different because they were, nobody modeled them for them. Remember the younger generation uh, as as a church. You you, you know you're 40 something years old. You're father of the church, and 40 something in America is considered young person. Yeah. So uh, they're certain about value and things in our community. I, I believe knowledge and so many other things we can learn it really quick, but value is not. Value is something that's actually much slower, much you know uh, concrete. A lot of them actually formate, formation is around the people you spent time with and your home and so many places. And it ended up a lot of leaders didn't have those kind of good environments. So we start teaching servant leadership to the community uh, through coaching, through programs. And then government opened some door. We started realizing some government leaders really want this. So uh, we started uh, running programs uh, uh, through servant leadership, situational leadership stuff, the Ministry of Education, Ministry of Finance, Parliament, so start working with some uh, uh, Christian politicians, and so God really kind of opened quite a bit of door in that space too, amount of people we get to touch through our leadership programs. Um, And then the third one is mercy and justice, you know, uh, in a community still like 20, close to 30 percent of poverty rate, you know, it's you can't do stuff without touching mercy and justice. It has to, and then um, for us, you know, because mercy work is it's hard. It's a lot of uh, labor intensive. As a small organization, we didn't have the capacity. We have some ideas, things, but pandemic really accelerated that. Because during pandemic, the poverty rate was you know people living under two dollar, a dollar when they were the ones suffering. So during pandemic, uh, we had. All the trips were canceled. We have some money in our bank account. And we realized, you know, our team members, we all prayed and realized, hey, there's something we can do about this issue. So we just try to be a good steward with what we have. And uh, started with $25,000 we had in our account and started creating monthly food pack and working with local church. And then uh, fast forward, you know, three years later, we have delivered 1.3 million meals in our community. Uh, working with 14 Mercy Churches, over 500 people accepted Jesus. And we just secured our land and trying to build a multifunctional community center that ties the dot of spiritual, social, vocational uh, uh, transformation, kind of lab, kind of uh, space, uh, tie all the community to do things. Um, And then uh, uh, the last piece is being an entrepreneur I saw in our community, Uh, how much spiritual growth, you know, of course, Baigua is the most important part of in our spiritual formation and growth, but uh, how many times we read about marriage books and leadership books that changes how we view our faith. We realize a lot of translators and missionaries were translating stuff, but they weren't good business people. So they don't know how to distribute them and they don't know. And Mongolia is a big land. Remember there's nomadic people. How do you get things in the nomadic people's hands? How do you get a big land with small population? with a, uh, uh, I guess, less modern-day logistic supply chain, how do you do those? So it's a, it's been always a challenge, uh, the resource of equality, and, you know, the rural church, you know, couldn't access to things. And people are, you know, younger people have more technologies, but the don't. Uh, so internet and smartphone really became an, an option. Uh, so we basically try to solve that problem by, launching a couple mobile applications and ended up, both of our mobile application uh, the, uh, became the largest, almost like a resource hub. Uh, so one of the application is to become the largest ebook, audiobook, book, podcast, uh, a Bible step plans kind of distribution hub. Uh, so 30 plus mission agencies put their content in our hub. And then uh, we also launched some publishing uh, based on that. So. Just all in all, in the last six years, we've been busy and we've been kind of productive. And, of course, not everything we tried and went <laughs> worked. Sure. Uh, being an, yeah, being an entrepreneur, I'm, I, I'm very aware of there are things about testing, give enough runway. We probably totally, I would say we've done about 20 plus projects. Uh, I would say a good five, six, seven projects that actually didn't make it. After, you know, we did either the hypothesis wasn't working, either resource, ability to execute, there certain things wasn't working. Leadership, uh, so we kind of closed them, sunset them. But the ones that working, we used the Matthew principle, said these aren't working, so let's allocate the resource and people and then just double it down. Because that's how the stewardship is about, you know. (laughs) The highest growth places, you want to give more. So ended up these projects that I've mentioned uh, just now, those ones on the highest growth. So these ones, you know, for instance, our app is like now one out of three Mongolian speaking Christians are using our app. Wow, you know, accessing. So our Mercy Project I just explained, you know, have, you know, 1.3 million meals in three years. and then that's astonishing growth and things. So all in all, uh, it's been a very fun few years and hard few years, and but uh. I think that's the beauty about faith. You know, faith is never about static. It's about on the move when you do things and wrestle with God. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and work hard toward, but also counting on God to uh, control the result. And knowing that he, in the end, is his, you know, how do we do those? So uh, that has been our journey with Asia Leadership Network in the last few years.
1: I love that. Work hard, follow Christ, and leave the results up to Him. I think that's a lifelong lesson to learn for most of us, at least for me. I often get caught up in thinking that I'm really somehow going to create the results, but in ministry, business, and life, it's our Heavenly Father who's handling those results. In our weaknesses and frailties, He is strong. It just takes that moment where you say, yes to the Lord, just like Baller who did as a young man. And now years later, his life has been impacted. It's really about two things, obedience and faithfulness. Obedience and faithfulness. God calls us to respond and we obey or should. And then as time goes along, that obedience turns into faithfulness over a period of time. It's really key to the Christian life. I think maybe two of the most important lessons we can learn whenever we come to know Jesus. Now, you may be listening today and you don't know Jesus. You don't quite understand what this whole thing's all about. We're in the Christmas season. You hear about this baby coming, Jesus coming as a baby, but he lived 33 years on earth, a sinless life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for our sin. He ultimately died on a cross, took our sin upon him, and then was raised from the dead by his heavenly Father and now sits at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding for us who are followers of his. You see, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus if we're a follower of Christ. He sees that perfect righteousness of his Son if you don't know jesus today i want to encourage you to make a decision today what better time than the christmas season just say this father i believe that your son jesus came as that baby in the manger he grew up he lived a sinless life he died on the cross for my sins and was raised to life to provide ultimate eternal life for me and abundant life on earth i repent i turn away from my sins and i want jesus to lead my life Pray it in Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer today, you are a follower of Christ, and I want to encourage you to let us know about it. We want to know and celebrate with you and pray for you. Just email me, Lambert at missionstoday.com. Lambert at missionstoday.com. Also, you can find out more about Missions Today at our website, missionstoday.com. That's missionstoday.com. Let me remind you, it's really important for you to subscribe, ring that little bell so you know every time you got a new episode coming, like those episodes that you like, and be sure to share them with others as you have time as well. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from all the team here at Missions Today, and be sure to join us next week for highlights of this great year, 2023. Missions Today is a production of Resource Global.